Hi, this is Tom Compton. You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to be talking about our most recent vigil. This was a third return, if you will, to Faith Bible Chapel in Arvada, Colorado, which is a suburb of Denver. Chuck and a team of vigilers visited the campus for a Christians United for Israel Night to Honor Israel event, and this included John Hagee the one and only, the president of KUFI. And so we've done probably, oh, I guess over 20 vigils at KUFI events, a number of them with John Hagee present. And uh, we want to talk about this, uh, some of the differences, some some of the similarities, and we have something kind of unique. We, we thank technology Craig Hansen is with us here, and he actually went to the event, but it wasn't a physical attendance. The church was streaming the event, so Craig watched the event on the inside. So we're going to have Craig give a report there. And so I'll start out here with Chuck. Thanks again for leading this vigil, and uh, as we do, I might point out, before the vigil, we send out notification to our list, and we had some interesting responses that Chuck will will address also. Chuck? Okay. Thank you, Tom. This was very typical of the programs we do, except, of course, it was done kind of on short notice, and we had, uh, at the last minute, we had people call, and and a couple of didn't call, and, and so we had a very attractive contingent there, uh, nice-looking gentlemen and ladies particularly the ladies, and uh, very all, very proper and well-dressed. And it's necessary because at Faith Bible Chapel, it's one of the few places we go, have gone to in the past, where you actually get a chance to have some interface with some of the people who are coming and going, and that's because the church is set up on a street called Wright Street. Their building stands right up ne- next to Wright Street, and the parking lot's directly across the street with a walkway that they've uh, fashioned across the uh, street so that people can stream across, and they have three or four off-duty policemen standing there making sure the traffic lets people get through. So uh, we had a chance to try to talk to these people. They had uh, received some sort of warning, many of them. Some, uh, some of the regulars, I think, from the church apparently knew that we were coming, it sounds like uh, maybe Pastor Morrison had warned, had told them on Sunday, because uh, quite a few of them, most of them, refused to take our literature, and that's kind of unusual because we were, we made a very uh, uh, a decent sort of presence there and nothing to alarm people. We found that the kids were, of course, the most likely to take the literature from us. There weren't very many kids. Uh, the audience was very large, I, hundreds, literally hundreds. I don't know how many people were there. They came streaming in very early from two parking lots, and we only saw people from one of those lots. I think uh, people took about 75 letters that we had written to the pastor, and we wanted to make sure some of those letters were in the auditorium and were being circulated. We also know that the uh, 
Christians United for Israel and, of course, the church would probably try to take them away from people and frequently do. They talk them out of uh, reading outside literature. They simply say something to them about uh, that we don't allow outside literature in here or something. We tried to talk strictly from a Christian point of view. All of the signs we used, without exception, were uh, scriptural in nature, such as innocent blood, uh, Gaza, which, of course, is from the Old Testament. And uh, there's even one statement referring to innocent blood that Jesus made, but a very, very common statement. Who would Jesus bomb, of course, is not an ecclesiastical statement, but it, it kind of leads to that. Uh, choose life, not war. Blessed are the peacemakers. These were the only messages that we displayed, and I thought very good effort. We received the call actually before the meeting from a very prominent party in the Presbyterian Church USA who wanted to know why he had received an invitation to this meeting. He'd received the pastor's letter. And I explained to them that we have written about PCUSA, but that we also have a general program called our virtual vigil where uh, Tom Compton and others send out the invitations we send and the letters to the pastor and try to send them to other church leaders. And we had a very interesting discussion and a very positive, I thought. And, uh, and uh, I thought that the Presbyterian Church USA uh, seems to be, uh, the leadership seems to be in good hands if this individual who, who I won't name, but who called me, is indeed uh, going to be uh, sort of the lead man. This group is called the IP Missions Network, which stands for Israeli-Palestinian Mission Network. And it is a mission network, and uh, he even uh, allowed me to tell him what my opinions were and my recommendation to the uh, Presbyterians. Uh, so this is the start, I think, of something we need to accelerate uh, very rapidly to make it grow a lot faster. As usual, of course, the church was hostile to us. Uh, they attempted to uh, restrict us and keep us away from people, and they tried to use their off-duty police to do that. Uh, we, on the other hand, had present a police uh, sergeant, and he'd been arranged for by a police lieutenant who we've talked to before and who uh, I've laid the rules out with, and he's laid them out with me. We had a perfect understanding. The church attempts to use off-duty policemen to carry out their will, and they have their own head of security, and he comes around and tries to keep you, prevent us from handing out uh, the pastor's letter to people who are coming in and going out. And we had to deal with those things by understanding the legalities of what we were doing. So it's very important, of course, to always have the police present. They were extremely helpful and complimentary to us, in fact, and uh, very, uh, very favorably inclined toward the way our people acted. So this uh, then is our third effort out there. And each time, of course, has been sandwiched in between two missile raids on the Gazans. Each time uh, that we've done one of these vigils, it's been just after a raid or just before one. And we pointed this out in the pastor's letter that this money that they're raising is, is going directly into funding killing and that the pastor knows it and has every reason to understand this and cannot pretend that he is unaware of what his money is being used for. So uh, bottom line, do the vigils, make the virtual vigils count, with a lot of email, and keep it very Christ-like. And, uh, of course, uh, we all have our problems in 
these people can get us a little bit irritated, but uh, we try to do our best. All right. Well, thanks, Chuck. I might point out to people that you can read the letter to the pastor, and that's used in this virtual vigil, if you will, to alert people, and there will be a link on the podcast site to that letter. Now we'd like to hear from Craig Hansen, our veteran inside man. Craig, starting last year, has actually gone into the belly of the beast, so to speak, and this time uh, he was not able to, to, to make it to, to Denver, but through, like I said, through technology, he was able to witness the whole proceedings. Hi, Craig. Let's hear your report. Hi, Tom and Chuck. Uh, thank you so much for, for having me on again. This is my first experience with uh, Israel Awareness Day. This is uh, much bigger than the, any uh, single Kufi event we had. Chuck, any estimate to how many people came in? Because like, the camera never panned to the whole congregation. It looked like a, a, a thousand plus. I, don't know I, would, I, would, I would say that's quite likely because this is a big church. It has two big parking lots. They were both full at the time we left. In fact, there were, it was overflow. And uh, I know that that, I don't know what the car count would be, but I know that that church accommodates several thousand people. And I don't know. I'm sure that, uh, that it was a huge turnout and probably was a thousand or more, if not more than that. Right. Well, be- before I go into my uh, little report of what I what I saw on, on the TV, I'd like to uh, talk about my uh, the Sunday sermon that was from my own home church. Here, the pastor was teaching on Matthew five verses thirty eight and thirty nine, where Jesus says, "You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say unto you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also." In this passage, Jesus was correcting uh, the Pharisees' uh, teaching of taking a corporate uh, judicial teaching and misapplying it to uh, personal relationships. The pastor also pointed out that this law, and it's quoted in Exodus 21 and Leviticus 24 and Deuteronomy 19, was to limit the punishment uh, to the extent of the offense so that they wouldn't have an escalation of violence in society. Like uh, in Genesis chapter 4, there's... uh, it's quoting Lamech, who says, I have killed a man for wounding me and a young man for striking me. And when this was, uh, this was the Sunday message I was listening to, and I just couldn't help but think of the escalation of violence where Palestinians will throw stones and then the Israelis will come in with a tank or F-16s or something like that, a totally uh, inordinate amount of force against the offense, totally in violation of the eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth teaching of the Old Testament. Well, so, okay, how does this uh, relate to the 36th annual Israel Awareness Day at Faith Bible Chapel in Arvada? Well, first of all, I'd like to say what was missing from the uh, meeting there in Arvada was uh, Jesus' teaching. There was a lot of the Bible says this and God says this, but uh, nothing of Jesus says this. That I never heard, I never heard that once. And the only time I heard Jesus' name mentioned was in Jesus' name, Amen. There could have been some other times, but Jesus is definitely missing from these kind of gatherings. What they did through the presentation, they had these little video clips, that maybe ran for 40 seconds to a minute, and the, the title of it is "What Does uh, Israel Mean to Me?" kind of thing. And they have old people, young people 
just all kinds of walks of life talking about that. They would they would intersperse the meeting with these little video clips. The first one I saw, it said, what does Israel mean to me? Well, God did not forget his promise from the beginning. And it's this kind of notion that we have a uh, God is faithful in the past to Israel, and he's going to be faithful in the, in the present, and that, that same mantra is over and over again. After the video, they sing a lot of, a lot of songs, and most of the songs were in Hebrew. Kind of remind me of the old days in Catholic Church where everything was in Latin. But in this case, it was it was Hebrew, and the songs were in Hebrew. And so they they were singing a song and dancing around the stage, singing a song Shalom Halekim, I guess, which uh, translates in uh, "We bring you peace." And I thought, how how ironic they're saying "We bring you peace" when they've rejected the Prince of Peace, and that they're supporting all this killing. It to me was just such an oxymoron. But also in one of these little video clips, it's, we have a line that we've heard before, and like you said at the beginning, Chuck, uh, this is nothing new. It's just probably on a bigger scale. The whole idea is that we as Christians have such a great debt that we owe to Israel, and that um, there's nothing too great that we can't do for Israel. George Morrison got up, and he was kind of the MC, and he starts off by saying, Israel has a right to exist and have a right to defend their homeland, and he says, opposite to what the media is saying. And I'm going, what media is saying that Israel doesn't have a right to exist? I, I didn't quite get that, that uh, at least any media I see, it's, it's totally pro-Israel. And what was interesting, too, is that George introduced uh, politicians, and the names of politicians just kept rolling off his tongue, as this state house district and this district and this and our congressional person here, they, I don't I don't know how many politicians uh, were there that he read off, but definitely uh, 20 plus. And then he, he asked for people that were on these different committees and stand, and so a lot of backslapping in all this. And George was asking for the Jewish people to forgive the Christians for all the years of persecution and so forth and that George was pledging their support to the Jewish people. I do have to say uh, there was one statement of George Morrison that I actually agreed with. He talked about a time where he went down to visit uh, John Hagee in San Antonio, Texas, and got to be familiar with uh, the work of, uh, of John Hagee, Christians United for Israel, and so forth. And he came back to his congregation there in Arvada, Colorado, and he told his congregation that uh, those people down in San Antonio are as crazy as we are. And that is the, uh, <laughs> that's the, that's the only thing I, c- I could say that I, I firmly agreed with uh, his, his statement on that one. He also said that the scripture has been overlooked for two millennium. Obviously, the scripture about Israel returning, becoming a state. And then um, after George was done, he finally got to an invocation. And so, okay, so we've gone through all the, the celebration, the flag waving, and this, that, and everything, in a few songs. And now we're getting the invocation. Well, this invocation was done by a rabbi. And this rabbi just went on and on and on. It was it was a lecture talking about how great uh, Israel is, the accomplishments of Israel, what they've done for the world, on and on and on. And it, it, his, his lecture would be punctuated with a, oh, Lord, or, oh, God, uh, to make it into a prayer. But it was, it was nothing more than a lecture. And the phrase that really jumped out at me, and this is what we, we've, again, we've heard this over and over again. He says, anti-Semitism is hidden in criticism of Israel. You know, and so if you if you criticize Israel, it can't be because they're immoral or uh, unjust 
or any anything like that. If if you if you criticize Israel, it's because you're an anti-Semite, and that was again bathed into the, the prayer that he gave. Again, another one of these videos. Uh, what does God mean to me? And again, proof of God's faithfulness. Then after that video, then this Eric Stakelbeck. Uh, I didn't quite get his last name right. Apparently, he's a correspondent or a, a columnist or an announcer or something on Christian Broadcasting Network has his own little piece that he does on that show. And he started out by saying, why should you care about Israel as an American or Christian? And he says, the Israel today is about the size of New Jersey, and the enemies want to reduce it to less than the size of the state of Delaware. This is the spiritual battle that's going on. ISIS is demonic, and that's who the enemy is. And Israel is the first line of defense for the rest of the Western world. If Israel goes down, we all go down. And as he was talking, he was doing nothing but fomenting fear in the people. Like, oh, oh, we've, we've got to do this. We've got to help Israel. They've got to be at that bastion at the point of the stick here, uh, the spear, to protect us from this onslaught of the uh, Islamic horde that's going to sweep across and kill us all. He's a very pleasant young man to, uh, to listen to. He has a great stage appearance. And he comes across very smooth and very slick, but the message is nothing more than, than fear and trying to work up the, um, the people in that. He says that we love life, but they, again, always, always talking to they were the Muslims, they love death. And uh, he talks about we're seeing prophecy fulfilled in front of our very eyes, and we're a part of that. So you, you can be a part of that prophecy being fulfilled. And then he, uh, he finished up by talking about how Muslims have no respect for life whatsoever and that they, they would have children uh, sweep minefields, walking out in the minefields to get blown up so that the, I, don't, I can't remember if it was Iraq or Iran, uh, could, could walk through where the minefield used to be. And so he, he closed up how barbaric these people are. And then he finishes, walks off the stage. And, of course, right after him is a group of children that come out, probably a 100 strong, from uh, young elementary school through junior high and high school, they're all dancing on the stage, waving the flags and the whole thing. And I go, okay, great. You're condemning the Muslims for brainwashing, and that's exactly what you're doing right here with the with the young children of, of this congregation. Then the next step was Cheryl Morrison, George's wife, that came out in to uh, announce the offering. And she was really pumping the crowd so that you can have a part in, in this. Every one of you can have a part in this victory, basically by reaching deep into your wallets and give. And then talked about the offering is going to help support that settlement aerial that the church in Arvada there support on the uh, occupied territories. The offering was going for Kufi on campus. Other groups were there were Bridges for Peace and Jewish Colorado. I know, Chuck, maybe you know something uh, about that. No, I don't know them. So after the offering was done, and of course that included more dancing and flag waving, then uh, John Hagee was introduced. And John's <laughs> the, the introduction, this I, I, I love this, presenting John Hagee, he knows his Bible, and because he knows his Bible, that's why he supports Israel. So any, any, any fool that doesn't know the Bible obviously doesn't support Israel. So uh, that's, that's always the way it goes. And then he, he goes, let's give a shout. And so John comes out. And I have to say, he's, he's lost a lot of weight since I, I saw him last. He comes out, he says, let's give a shout for Israel's right to exist and to defend herself. 
and uh, frankly, the, uh, the the response was kind of lame. And he kind of reminded me of the uh, the Democratic Convention where they were trying to vote to get Jerusalem to be the capital of Israel, whatever they were doing there. He had he had to do it again, and uh, let's let's give a real shout, you know. And so they, they he fired up the crowd some more, and then they, they made some more noise. Yes, they believe Israel has a right to exist and defend herself. And again, uh, John goes on to say that the only real friends we have in the Middle East is Israel. And of course, get the, get the applause. Every every statement would get you know get get applause from the people. And then he, he makes this statement. He says Israel owns the land. And when he said that, I just kind of go, I go, excuse me. What Bible are you reading from? Because my Bible, even in, in um, Leviticus 25, it says, The land shall not be sold in perpetuity, for the land is mine, for you are strangers and sojourners with me. That was way, way back in, the, in the, uh, the Old Testament. So the land is not Israel. It's always been God's land, and that he can do with it as he sees fit. Then he went on a political tirade. He just he just ripped uh, John Kerry up one side and down the other, and how bad our administration is, and on and on and on. That, that just that just went on. And he said that John Kerry, uh, I guess he was quoting John Kerry, saying the Palestinians are a rational and compassionate people, and just scoffing, just scoffing at that. And I'm, I'm sure people like my my neighbors would just uh, would definitely take exception. At, at that, and also the same thing. The, the claim goes off that Israel is not an apartheid nation, and he talks about this city. Ariel is actually in the occupied territories, and he says that is not West Bank. That is Judea and Samaria. That's kind of the whole Eretz Israel, the Greater Israel, that uh, Hagee and all the Zionists support. This, this complete uh, taking away all the Palestinian land. Then he, he went off on, Israel will prevail. And the scripture says, you know, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. And just, Israel will prevail. God's hand is on Israel, and they're, they're going to prevail. And then he, he another, made another comment that really got my attention. He says, Christians and Jews are one. And I thought, oh, we are, are we? They've rejected the Messiah. Jesus cried over Jerusalem because of the rejection of him, and and yet Paul talks about them being broken off of the true olive branch, and so how how are we one? I, I don't I don't know what he how he explains that, and then he said America needs to be more like Israel, and I thought oh how how appropriate with Homeland Security and the the uh, NSA spying and so forth and so on. I guess maybe his wishes are, are being uh, uh, completed there. And that he says Israel is not the problem; it's the solution. And then, uh, and it finished off with another one of uh, "What does Israel mean to me?" video. So that's kind of it. But that's what I saw in, in the notes I made. The fact that Jesus is not mentioned at all—it just—it just blows me away. That this is supposed to be a Christian uh, church, and it's not. It is, there's there's no Jesus in, in this at all. And with their whole emphasis on giving more arms and more arms to Israel, the asymmetrical warfare that's taking place there and beating the daylights out of the Palestinians, and all in the name of Jesus, it, I, I just don't get it. I, I, just, I just can't see how anybody who uh, has been touched by the love of God and the compassion and the forgiveness in their own lives can be that vindictive and that evil 
dealing with the uh, Palestinians. Thanks a lot, Craig. And But there is some hope because there's an article, and Chuck, you can talk about this, just appeared in Haaretz about in the evangelical movement, young people are actually looking uh, more objectively at the whole issue and not automatically siding with Israel. So there is, as we talk about in our video, Christian Zionism, the tragedy and turning, there is this continuing turning away from this unchristlike activity of, of Christian Zionists that uh, Craig described so well in this Kufi event. Chuck, would you like to comment on that uh, article? The article, it is written by Jewish people, and it's published in Haaretz. And uh, in this case, they are showing legitimate concern that there's evidence that, that younger Christians are not buying into this idea and are more sympathetic toward the Palestinians. It's basically that I think that they have better access to the Internet. They see by accident, maybe, some of the photos, pictures of the bombing, some of the uh, second echelon reporting that, that their parents didn't see, but that the kids see on their iPhone or their uh, their computer at school or whatever. Every, every one of them has is computer savvy. We all know that the information was there about what went on in the bombing. And so it's not a surprise that people that have access to the Internet and use it are catching on. And, of course, this can spread. Christians United for Israel, of course, has a big program to try to attack the campuses and to attempt to uh, influence kids on the campuses, but it's just simply not going to work because the truth is out there for those who really want to see it. So, yeah, it's, it definitely is happening, and I think we need to just be concerned that we maintain the very posture about talking about what, uh, what Craig brought up so clearly, that there is no Jesus... There is no Christianity whatsoever in any of these Christians United for Israel programs. These people who walk in there have their mind made up when they go in. It was very rare for us to have any kind of dialogue with any of them. For instance, the one sign that shows Palestine on the cross, they catch on right away what that means, and it really sets them off. They get absolutely angry about that, and they won't discuss it. And, and those, some of the women would stop and, and say to us, oh, the Palestinians are firing rockets at those people and deserve every bomb they get hit with. Things like that would be, be said, and it, it just showed a combination of, of uh, closed-mindedness and, and total ignorance of what really has happened only this year in, in Gaza. So I would say the people that are in that meeting that Craig monitored are probably the, the most politically ignorant people that you could probably find on the face of the earth, or they wouldn't be there. And our target is not them. Our target has to be the people that are not there, the kids that are not there. Our target audience is going to be people that wouldn't ever think of going to John Hagee's meeting. Great. Well, thank you so much for that report, and thanks for being there, Chuck. And thank you, Craig, for monitoring this well and done, Craig. That was, that was very, very insightful. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also, at whtt.org, you can watch for free 
our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.